you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Understand, we also identify the operation of justification and the operation of sanctification. And uh, so we're going to get a little deeper into the Word of the Lord tonight. Uh, This may not thrill you. It may uh, give you some more clear understanding and particularly help those of you who have a desire to do a great work for the Lord, particularly those that are involved with discipling people that are new and new at coming to, to God, new to coming to church. They don't have a lot of biblical background or church background or religious background. Uh, and some may come from religious background that does not uh, and, and is not uh, really maybe even aware of um, where our teaching of holiness and separation from the world comes from. And uh, there's a great divide. And unfortunately, because of society, that divide is becoming greater. The things that are acceptable today were not, were not, they were not acceptable 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and certainly not 50 years ago. And so sometimes I'll be talking to my dad about issues or things that I'm dealing with, I, I, and he's like, son, I have no earthly idea. I never dealt with that in, in 50 years of ministry. Never had to, never had to answer those questions. Uh, in that day... And in our late bishop's day, it was, you do it because I say so. (laughs) And you didn't mess with the bishop. You just did it because he said so. We live in a day-to-day, everybody questions everything. They got to know why. They want to know why and why for the why. And we got to take them to the scripture and show them. We got to show them by many infallible proofs. And they've got to understand it. And if they don't, even if we show them, if they don't want to believe it, they still just choose, well, I choose to continue to believe what I want to believe. And uh, particularly things that go against society. Cultural issues are really difficult to break. And uh, some of these things, of course, um, are an ongoing battle. And so let me get into the word of the Lord, and, and I don't want to get bogged down here at the, at the onset, but we're going to talk about biblical justification and biblical sanctification tonight. We're going to talk about how they, how they relate and how different they really are, and uh, hopefully help some of us in, in understanding how to work with people, because in discipleship, that's a big issue. I've heard of people and known of people that have been just completely turned off and ran away from the church because well-meaning people approached them or dealt with them the wrong way. And uh, we don't want that to happen here. We want to be educated and aware and uh, we want to be knowledgeable of how to work with people and giving God time to work with people and giving people time so we're, we're going to look at these things tonight. So Ephesians, second chapter, verse number 8. For by grace ye are saved how? Through faith. And that not of yourselves. In other words, nothing that you did. It is the what? It's the gift of God. So your salvation is through faith. It's by grace, through faith. 
And it's not anything that you did. It is the gift of God. Now let me just stop for a moment to lay this out and make it very, very clear. When you repented, your repentance was not the step towards salvation that saved you. His forgiveness was the, was the step. It's what you couldn't do for yourself. Your decision to be baptized in Jesus' name was not part of the salvation pro- process. It was His remission of sins that saved you. It's all the work that He did. Although there's requirements that things that steps we must take, but it's the redemptive work that the Lord did. And that's why the infilling of the Holy Ghost, all we have to do is receive. He is the giver. It is, everybody say, it's the gift. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of what? Not of what? Not of what? Not of works. Lest any man should boast. If salvation is based on works, you'll end up bragging about it. If it's what you do, look what I did. Oh, I would never do that. Yes, you would. You're bragging about what you would never do. Verse 10, for we are whose workmanship? We're His. Meaning He's crafting us. We're His workmanship. He is the potter. We are the the clay. Created in. Everybody say in. In Christ Jesus unto good works. Because we're in Him. We are created in Christ Jesus on two good works. It's His work. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus on two good works. So the good works in us is because of what He is doing in us. Does that make sense? It's what He's doing in us. That's what's good. It's not the work. He's the one doing the work. We're allowing him to work, which God hath before ordained that we should, what's our part? What is it that we have to do? We have to do what? Walk in what? Walk in what? The work that he's doing in us. So he's doing the work. We have an obligation now to walk in those. Mm. You're not saved because I'm walking in these works. He saved us. We have an obligation to what he's done, to walk in what he's doing. Now, a lot of folks, a lot of folks struggle with the changes that they feel that they would have to make in order to serve God. There are many people who make a decision to serve God. Some are baptized. Some even receive the Holy Ghost. Some may not last long. They may last for a short period of time. And they tend to fall by the wayside. When asked, many of them will say, it was too much to give up. There were too many changes. There was too much expected of me. Uh, It's usually... The excuse usually is always pointed toward the church because of what is expected of me. And then there are those who have been around the church for a long time who get this whole issue of what the changes that God is making in our life, we get them out of order. And we start thinking that the whole obligation is upon us to make all the changes. If we are His workmanship, He's doing the changes. Our obligation is to walk in the changes that He's bringing into our life. You can walk against them. You can go your own way. But the obligation we have is to walk in what we know and what we understand. 
That's why it's very important that we preach and teach the Word of God. And then there is an obligation. The Word of God will make a change in us. Then it is our obligation to walk in what we know to do. We have to allow God the space to make the change. We have to allow God to do the work. Now I've heard of folks who come to the Lord, repent, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they make all these changes very quickly in their life. Many people who have the quick change in their life are people who have some sort of religious background or understanding, the mama, grandmama, somebody they knew so they have some understanding of, of some of the, they, they anticipate some of the changes that are going to be taught and preached. And so they may be ahead of the game with some of the changes that they made in their life. Some may have an understanding or revelation. Uh, they may, they, it may become very clear to them. If I, I don't want to embarrass them tonight. Uh, when uh, Adam and Sarah Amsbury came to us, um, I had a conversation with them. And, and I noticed the, the, the change. I thought they had been in and around the church for a very long time. After talking to Sister Sarah, I understand that the Lord began to reveal some things to her. And she began to understand some of the, some of the uh, biblical uh, expectations of, of dress and appearance and some of these things. And she began to live in those things before she was ever baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because she got them. She understood them. The Lord was working on her and she was obedient. It wasn't a struggle for her. So she, it, that's, that's very rare to, to hear of, of those, those folks that, that they get that aspect of, uh, of it before they get the revelation of, of Jesus. And a man come to me several years ago. He was, he was very, very upset. And um, came in my office and wanted to talk to me. He doesn't attend church here anymore. If you don't have to try to figure out who it is, I'm not going to tell you. Um, this is several years ago. And he came to me. He was very, very upset. And I had not really talked to him only one time when he first came here. And um, he came in, and he was very upset. And I, I detected something in his spirit. And uh, so I was talking to him, and he told me, he said, uh, You've only preached on holiness three times in a year. And I said, yes, sir. That may be right. I didn't know you were keeping count. Do you have a problem with that? He said, yes, I do. I said, what's your problem with holiness? He said, oh, no, no, I don't have a problem with holiness. It's all those other people in the church that have a problem with holiness. Okay. And so he began to call out some convictions that he had developed. Now, let me get very clear with you. These were not clear black and white in the word of God, thou shalt not convictions. These are some convictions that he had put into his own life. And that's good. We all ought to develop convictions. And they're our convictions. Take ownership of them. They're mine. They're ours. But I'm not going to expect you to live according to my personal conviction. I'm not talk talking about things that are are preached or taught very clear from the Word of God. So he was a bit upset about that. And so I said, well, brother, I, I actually taught on Wednesday, in which I know that you, sir, normally are not here on Wednesday. But I normally take Wednesdays to deal with some of these Things that could be offensive to a new convert. And I'll talk more about separation from the world and the things that we must do and need to do. And we'll talk about some of those things, but I'm choosing 
trying to choose very wisely when that I do this because I do not want to offend somebody who doesn't have any clue what I'm talking about on a Sunday in the middle of a message that I'm trying to inspire people to faith or to conversion, to baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost. or I don't want to get up and start preaching clothesline messages to people that are like, what in the world is he talking about? I want to take and teach that. And I have taught, as a matter of fact, that year I think I taught two different short three or four lesson series that year on Wednesday nights that were dealing specifically with holiness and separation from the world. And he said, well, you don't enforce it. I said, okay. By enforce, what do you mean? He said, well, we got people coming here. And he started telling me how they're dressing, how they're looking. And I said, you, you're aware that they're a new convert. He said, they've been coming longer than six months, and six months is long enough. At six months, the axe needs to be laid at the root of the tree. I'll give you six months, you line up, or you get out of the church. I said, okay. Well, that's never going to happen here. He said, well, I'm letting you know that I give you three months to fix all of these issues in the church or I'm out of here. He's out of here. He came in on a Wednesday night. Somebody came, sat down in front of them that didn't appear to be the way that he was expecting them to look. He took it personal, come charging by my office, yanked open my door, threw his key and a tithing envelope, trying to make a little point, on my desk. He said, I won't be back. I said, I hate that. God bless you. Let me be very clear. There are no requirements, and there won't ever be any requirements to be part of CLC. Sinners are welcome here. People from all sorts of lifestyles are welcome here. I have the faith to believe that God's going to change them. But there are not going to be any requirements for them to be able to come here. They can come for six months, and if God hadn't done the work, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep bringing evangelists in that preach it. We're going to keep standing on it. We're going to keep living it in front of them. We're going to keep on until the Word of God changes them. If it happens in six months, thank God. If it takes a year, thank God. If six years later they still come in on Sunday morning and still don't look and dress like the rest of us, I'm going to keep preaching, keep reaching, keep loving. Never going to close the door on somebody because they're not lining up. Now, 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 to be very clear, neither am I going to put them in Sunday school classes on platforms Leading, we're going to have requirements for leadership, and we're going to get into this a little bit tonight and hopefully through this lesson help you understand where and how we base this whole idea since salvation is free and it's not by works, then why do we set any kind of standard? Because the standard that is set is part of sanctification. Salvation comes, which is part of justification. But someone can be 
justified by faith, not of works. And in other words, they are saved. But they have not yet developed to the point of being useful or usable in the church, in the work of ministry. The Bible gives us some very clear direction and calls us unto holiness and separation from the world. There's no, no doubt the Bible is very clear on it. This call is very individual and not every person will develop at the same rate. I was born with my dad pastor in a church 50 years. All I have known is apostolic preaching and teaching. All I ever known. I was raised up sleeping under the church pew. Been in and around the church my whole life. I've heard preaching and teaching. Somebody comes in from the world and they've lived a lifestyle of sin and all sorts of things. I can't expect them in six months or a year to be where I am. 50 years of development. Not that I am anywhere, but my point is I've had 50 years to hone in my ability to be able to walk according to the teachings and preachings of the church and according to the Word of God. Give God time. Give people time. And let God do the work. That's why that we put certain guidelines and gives us opportunity. We have some lessons. We're going to be stepping into some things. You're going to be hearing about them here in the next few weeks. We are not doing away with path of life. It's going to continue to be part of what we're doing. But we have, we have a steps program, a next steps program that we're going to be introducing. Uh, Spencer has been working on that. And uh, Sister Chelsea has been working on that. And uh, we have been developing, and it is, it is an opportunity for people to be able to get in. And it is a lot of people come into the church, and they're like, okay, I'm here. Now what? And so it's the process. It's the next steps. How do you, how do you get involved? How do you, where do you go from here? Uh, how, what are the steps we take? These are all, this is, this is the hard work of the church. Having good church on Sunday is easy. Discipling and developing people is the hard work, and so we're going to be we're going to be helping people understand the process of how to develop. Now, there's a huge misunderstanding and comprehension among many saved people of the difference between justification and sanctification. I'm going to try to address that here in the next little bit. We must be careful lest we fall into the category of worrying about the outside before we worry about the inside. Can I be real bold tonight? Had somebody come to me. They don't go to church here anymore. You're not going to figure out who it is and I'm not going to tell you. Not the same person that I just told you about. They came to me. Pastor, you can't preach it hard enough for me. If you ever see anything out of me, you need to tell me. Mm -hmm. I've met your kind before. Don't you dare confront them. They believe they got it all together. If you ever see anything, Pastor, and I want you to know the harder you preach it, the more I'm going to love it. You preach it hard. You preach it strong. Because I was raised up way stronger than you. Mm-hmm. That's why you ended up leaving the church. Because of sin. Immorality. Mm-hmm. All I heard out of them every time they ever talked to me was how holy they were and how they would never do some of the things that some of the people in the church do. 
I'd never, never do that. You allow them on the platform. I'd never do that. You allow them in the choir. You'd never. And immorality took them out. Hmm. Jesus dealt with that. He said, oh, you Pharisee. That's what he said. Jesus was pretty hard. I'm nice. You wouldn't want Jesus as a pastor. Just let me tell you, Jesus was tough. He'd say, whoa, you Pharisees, hypocrites, blind guides. Those are the kind of words he used. Strain at gnats and swallow camels. That's the kind of words Jesus used. I'd just smile and say, well, we're going to pray. I'm thinking, boy, you better be glad Jesus isn't here. They're gone. Not because of what they were dressing or the way somebody else was dressing. Because their heart was filled with lust. And they end up falling by the wayside because of immorality. While they're criticizing people because of the way they look. Or because they're not developing as quickly as they develop because they were raised up in the church. Hmm. Just because you're raised up in the church doesn't mean your heart is developing any faster. You may have everything on the outside developed, but you better let God develop the heart because your salvation is not on how you are looking on the outside. Your salvation is the redemptive work God is doing in your heart. The outside better be a product of what is going on. It is a reflection of what God is doing on the heart. But if your heart is dirty and black, you can dress all you want on the outside. When you, If you get there, you're going to look at him and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you oh lord look at the way i'm dressed and look at the look at my church attendance and look at my tithing record he's gonna say i never knew you because your heart never was right you got all of the other stuff right and fooled everybody because man looks on the mm -hmm, but i'm looking god would say on the heart one who worries about the outside before they're born again, will often be held back or hold themselves back because they feel like the price is too great to pay. That's why I encourage people who come to me and people say, well, I could never, ever, ever come to your church because, because why? Well, because of the requirements. There are no requirements. Well, don't all of your ladies wear dresses? Absolutely not. What? That's right. We often have people show up on Sunday. Uh -huh. So if I come to your church, am I gonna feel, am I gonna feel awkward because I'm not wearing a dress? I, I don't want you to feel awkward. It's kind of customary. You're gonna see most of our ladies wearing dresses. You're gonna see all of our ladies on the platform, and our leaders and workers. But that's that has nothing to do with you being saved. What? What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm going to help you understand this. Because you can't skin a fish before you catch a fish. If we are fishers of men, we got to get people to come. We baptized a man. Sunday morning, he told him when he walked in the doors. I heard there's good music here. I think Brother Mick knew who he is, knows who he is. I've never seen the guy, I don't think, never met him before. He said he heard there's good music. That's what he came for. God got a hold of him. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Hmm. See, you got to get him here. Good music got him here. Let's get better at that music thing. Here you guys have a great children's program. Yes, we do. 
I'm going to send my kids. Bring them. We got a good music program too. Well, I don't care about music. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Our pastor is awesome. <laughs> no, don't lie to them. Once an individual is filled with the Holy Ghost, watch now, because I don't want to confuse anybody. Once an individual is filled with the Holy Ghost, God begins to work sanctification in them. Mm -hmm. But until they are filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctification, what goes on on the outside, sanctification does not happen until something happens on the inside. Sanctification will always follow. An internal work. The struggle with outward holiness would not be nearly as great if people would get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now let's look at these words. The word to justify literally, it, it means to, to prove that you are right. To justify in a literal sense means to prove that you're right. Biblical justification. Is not about us claiming to be right on our own. But biblical justification is about God declaring that we are right by His grace, by His blood, through faith, by the power of His blood. Let me take a minute here. So when we are justified by faith, not of our works, It means that God is declaring by work of grace through His blood that we are worthy. Whether we say we're worthy or not, by faith we got to know that God said we are. So therefore, I'm not worthy to have my sins forgiven. You don't know what I've done in my past, but when I repent of my sins, He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive sins. When I'm baptized in Jesus' name, it doesn't matter how ugly I am. What I've done, where I came from, what my name is, what country I came from, whether I'm here legally or illegally. Come on, church, we're not the government. We're the church of the living God. When they go down in water baptism in the name of Jesus, after repentance, their sins are remitted. Nobody can do that for you. The water doesn't wash it away. The grace of God through faith and obedience to baptism and because of baptism, the blood of Jesus washes away. We're infilled with His Spirit when the Holy Ghost comes in. There is a literal sign that the Holy Ghost has come in as we will begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, as we are speaking with other tongues as they did in the book of Acts, as we are speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. is a sign of a new life being born in a person that just died. I just died to my sins. I was just buried with Him in water baptism. Now there is a sign that there is a new man about to live and there's an inward change out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water but this spake ye of the spirit so biblical justification is not about us claiming to be right on our own well it's something I did it's about God declaring that we are right by his grace through faith so if you have repented you've been baptized you've received the infilling of the Holy Ghost don't get all proud and lifted up and bragging about look what I did and look what you didn't do anything. You were just obedient to his plan. God did it all. He did the forgiving, he did the remitting, and he did the infilling. You were obedient to what he asked you to do and now he has justified you by faith. Nothing you did. It happens through faith. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is by faith. Sanctification 
is the act or process of being made or becoming holy or separate or separated from the world. Watch now. In the Old Testament, there was a requirement for things and or people to be sanctified in order to be usable. That's why it needs to be in the church. Oh, I wish I'd have got a stronger amen. In the Old Testament tabernacle, every item in the tabernacle, it had to be made according to a biblical specification. In other words, a utensil, an item, whether it be the candlestick or the laver of water, everything was given specific directions, dimensions, the materials it was built and made out of, how it was to be made, it all had to be built and designed according to specification. If it was going to be used in the temple, it had to follow the guidelines that was given according to Scripture. That's why I do not believe that there is a route to salvation outside of a biblical mandate that gives us the specification by which man can be saved. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. In order for you to be saved, there is a specification. There is a plan. That plan is very clear. I've already covered it a dozen times already. Except you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no other way to be saved. Doesn't matter if the late Billy Graham did say there are many ways to get to God, there is only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. There is a specification to everything that was usable in the temple. Mm, do you get the parallel? And so once it was created, designed, built, finished, look at it, it's beautiful. Now it had to be sanctified. Oh, you mean it was, it was built according to the Bible? Yes, it was. That's how that it got to the door of the tabernacle. People could go by and look and say, look, that's right, perfect specimen. No flaw in it. No reason it can't be used. But if it's going to be used, it has to go through the process of sanctification. What does that mean? To be sanctified means to be set apart for a particular use. So that item was sanctified holy unto the Lord. So every item in the tabernacle had to be sanctified holy. There, Everything, it had to go through a process. There was a biblical process for sanctification. It had to be washed a certain way. It had to be polished a certain way, look a certain way. It had to be set apart. Priest had to anoint it, all sorts of things. It had a whole process that it had to go through. And then it was set aside. It could never be used for anything else other than in the work of ministry. For the purpose for which it was sanctified. That's why people in the church that want to be usable can't be in the church today and out of the church tomorrow and in the church the next day and expect to be usable. Mm. You can't be on board with what's going on in the church and supportive to the pastor today, but behind his back you... Mm. Because you're not usable. Because you are not sanctified. 
Because to be sanctified means you are holy. That means you have been set yourself aside for a specific purpose and use. You have been anointed by God, designed by God. You will not be corrupted by the things of the world, by worldly conversation, by worldly actions, by worldly activities, by worldly things. Somebody told me the other day, well, when we move out to the new building, you're buying chairs and tables. You're going to take and write the church's name on the bottom of them? I said, what are we going to do that for? They said, so people in the church won't come and take them home like they have everything else in the church. I said, what do you mean people do that? And they started laughing. I said, I'm sure we have 200 chairs sitting here. They said, no, we don't. We have about 170. I said, really? They said, yeah, I can tell you where some of them may be. <laughs> really? We have thieves in the church. Didn't they know those chairs were sanctified? Those are sanctified chairs. I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to trust everybody. They're not going to come in and take furniture from the church. We're going to go through, we're going to anoint every one of them, and we're going to declare, you walk out the door with that chair in your hand, God's liable to strike you over. Give you fleas in the armpit. I'm not touching that. That thing's sanctified. Somebody anointed that at the dedication service. Not taking that to my house to use that. Uh-uh, it's sanctified. People of God couldn't go to the temple and say, hey, let me borrow. I need a good sharp knife. I'm having a dinner. Let me have a good sharp knife. Sorry. The knife at the going to be used to cut the throat of those lambs that are brought to sacrifice or sanctified. Can't be used outside of the temple. Can't even be taken outside. You got to stay right here. They got to be Kept. Mm -hmm. That's why the people of God need to keep themselves holy. Keep themselves unspotted from the world. I don't even have time to chase all the rabbits I could chase right now. But that's why we have a biblical mandate to keep ourselves holy and keep ourselves spotless. I'm in the Word of God tonight. Keep ourselves separated from the world to avoid the very appearance. I'm not going to go around and make it look like I'm. I'm not going to go to some places because I can. Well, pastor, what do you think? Think if I go there, I can go there and be saved? Probably. Well, then come on, let's go. I'm not. Why? Because I don't want anybody to even think I am. Because I'm sanctified holy unto the Lord. I'm a leader of people. I'm a pastor of a church. There's some places I'm not going to go that may not even be wrong. There's some conversations I'm not going to have. People talk about language. I hear the language that some of our young people and adults use. It makes my eyes big sometimes. I'm like, well, if you're going to use all those four-letter words that sound like all the Real close to sounding like the other words. Sound like you're real familiar with that. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm going to use those, leave those words out of my vocabulary. I choose not to use them, even when I'm angry. I want to leave them out of my vocabulary because I'm sanctified unto the Lord. Be ye holy. In all manner of conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't even want, I'm not going to have a conversation that doesn't seem to be holy. If I've got a question whether this is right or not right, I can pretty much tell you a sanctified person is not even going to question. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to be used in the kingdom of God, you've got to be sanctified, meaning you've got to be set apart for a specific purpose. I say this humbly. 
I thank God for some of our young people that I've watched grow up. I was talking to somebody the other day about some of our young people, and I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I have watched them grow up. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they haven't done wrong. I'm not saying they never told a lie. I'm not saying, but I never know, never have known of a time that they backslid, that they wavered. They might have not always been right in their heart. They might have made a mistake. They might have questioned some things. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know of a time that they ever, that they ever wavered. I never saw that in them. What does that mean? What's that different from somebody who's in the church today and out of the church tomorrow and up today and on fire today and shouting the victory today and sitting pouting like a... you either sanctified or you're sanctified. Either you are or you aren't. And those who are usable in the kingdom of God has got to have some steadiness and faithfulness in them, which is all part of sanctification. They're not blown about by every wind of doctrine. They're not caught off guard by everything that happens. They control their emotions. They are sanctified. I thank God for people who are steadfast, stable, unmovable. I don't have to question. Are they going to be in church next week? Are they going to be mad and angry? And You know, if they don't like what the preacher's doing, they'll stay home. Wrong evangelists come, they just stay home. Preacher preached too hard. I was in a church one time. They said, well, you can always tell when the preacher starts preaching hard, you can watch our attendance is going to go down. That wasn't this church. Said, our attendance is going to go down. I'm like, thought this was a sanctified church. Because sanctified people understand that preaching and teaching that is hard is perfecting us. It's part of the process of perfection. My wife, as a matter of fact, I want to compliment her publicly. If you weren't here last Wednesday night, get online and listen. She challenged us in prayer. All I could do was sit and weep. I thought about it and listened over and again. We were challenged. I thank God for strong words that challenge me. I've got to develop a deeper prayer life. More consistent and faithful walk with God. It literally, sanctification means to literally set ourselves apart. Young people, young men, young people, you want to be used of God? You can't be up today and down tomorrow and expect. I saw a little meme on Facebook the other day. I thought that's pretty funny and it's applicable on many, many levels. I said, you can't shack up with whoever you want to and expect God to pay the rent. Oh, I want the gift of faith and the gift of... You need the gift of living right. Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. We've got to get some consistency in us. You want to be used of God? You've got to be faithful. You can't decide you're going to live for God this week and next month. We're worried about you. You got to walk worthy of the call of God. You got to walk worthy because people are looking at you. Nobody's going to follow somebody. They don't know if they're going to be leading today and sinning tomorrow. Or at least that's not the kind of church I want to be part of. So justification is for salvation. It's an act of faith. Sanctification 
is by works. You are saved, sanctified. You are saved, justified by faith. Sanctification is your works that follows the justification. Your sanctification is for impartation. I want God to impart some things to me. I want to be usable in the kingdom of God. I want the anointing of God upon my life. That's what sanctification is for. It does require works. It's for growth and development. It's for usefulness and effectiveness. That is why your holiness and separation from the Lord, but from the world and sanctification unto God, these things are required in order for us to be useful in the kingdom of God. We have to be a profitable servant. Apostle Paul writes several times about justification. Acts 3 and 19 were justified by faith. Romans 5 and 1, justified by faith. Titus 3 and 7, justified by faith. Galatians chapter 2, now watch. Because some people say, yeah, the Bible also says we're sanctified by faith. It does, but you've got to read the whole passage. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, if we can pull that up. My time's away from me. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by by the faith of Christ and not by the works of law. For by the works of law shall no flesh be justified. means saved. But... If while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found what? Oh, I was saved one time. And so that's all I need to know. Hmm. But if we ourselves are found sinners, is there there is therefore Christ? The minister of sin, God forbid, for if I build again the things which I destroyed. What did I destroy? All the things that I repented of before I was justified. When I repented to the point, when I repented of my sins and was baptized in Jesus' name, I'd made a, I had already, I had destroyed things. I decided I'm never going back there. If I build again the things I once destroy, I have made myself a transgressor. I've gone back to being what I used to be. But the work of sanctification is going on to be what God wants you to be. So justification means to be saved or to be right. In the Old Testament, it means to be right in a moral sense. In the New Testament, it means to be made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament, righteousness in the Old Testament was by morality. Justification in the New Testament is righteousness by faith. And the only way that you can find righteousness by faith is that if we are viewed in all of our flaws and imperfections by God through the blood. So at the point of justification, the attitude, God's attitude toward man changes. And God deals primarily with man in mercy instead of judgment. So four things happens at the point of justification or at the point of salvation. There is remission of punishment. There is restoration of favor. We are imputed righteousness because your righteousness is not of yourselves. It's not because you have your sleeves and your necklines and your hair length and all those things. That is not what brings about your righteousness. It comes from God. So we have a new standing before God because He has imparted 
justification to us. But sanctification is the things that we do in order to be useful in the kingdom of God, meaning that he begins then to do a work in us that causes us to get all of the outside and other things together. Now people can see the changes in our life, but it's not about what men can see, yet men ought to be able to see it. That's why the scripture said, let your light so shine before men. So shine before men. In other words, let your light shine in a manner that men can see. Let your light so shine before men. Well, I don't care who thinks what about me. You should. The Bible said, let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine in a manner in front of people. It doesn't really matter to me what people think about me. Then you need saved. Because it shouldn't matter. Your sanctification ought to matter what people think about you. Because you can't lead somebody to Christ if they think you need Him yourself. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. I'm wrapping up fast as I can. I'm on, a, I'm, on a, I'm on a mission. Therefore, leaving the principles of doctrine of Christ, let us do what? Go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Verse 6. Here's what happens if we don't allow sanctification to happen. If they shall fall away after doing all of those other things. To renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to open shame. I don't understand why the preacher preaches against all these things and why he tells us we got to clean up our act and look godly and walk godly and dress godly and talk godly. Why is this important? Is he afraid we're going to embarrass him? No, you're embarrassing God. You're putting God to open shame. Why is it open shame? Because you're doing it in front of people. Justification does not require works. It comes by faith. That's your salvation. Sanctification requires faith. Because you've got to have faith in what you're doing that God is seeing. So everything that I do, my works... Because sanctification requires faith coupled with works. So salvation does not require any works. It requires faith. Obedience and faith. Repentance, baptism, it's the formula. It requires obedience. Sanctification requires faith and works, meaning i got to work on this every day. Ugh, my mouth got me in trouble. Work on that. God's trying to sanctify you. You need to be usable in the kingdom of God. Work on that spirit. Work on that attitude. Work on the... Well, I tell you, I'm just so proud of the way I look. Well, work on that. <laughs> Sanctification requires faith coupled with works. That means i got to work on it. Well, I mess up. I can never live right. Work on it. Well, I can never live up to that standard. Just work on it. Well, Pastor, I don't understand why that you in six months you need to make them toe the line. No, I just want to see them working on it. If they're working on it, that's between them and God. If it takes them six months or six years, they're working on it, that's between them and God. I'm going to love them and preach to them. Because what will follow is the fruit of the Spirit will begin to develop. 
We begin to overcome fleshly habits and fleshly desires and all the things. And as we grow older, that's why the Bible says that the older ought to teach the younger. There's a reason for that because as we grow older, we have an advantage over the younger. We have been taught more. We've had more time to develop more. We have developed this in us. We need to be living it in front of every person that has not had the opportunities we have. Our sanctification will all be on different levels. Our sanctification in this room tonight, we are not cookie cutter. We are all trying to work and grow into the perfection of Christ. But we're all at different levels. Because we all have different struggles and we come from different backgrounds and we come from different teachings that we're trying to overcome and learn and understand. Some of us are a little quicker at developing than others. We're all in the process. So when some new baby comes into the church, don't cut them off and don't criticize them because they're not developing as fast as you think they ought to or because compare them with somebody who's developing faster than them. Love them, care for them, pray for them, work with them, teach them, but let God do the sanctification in their life. No, I'm not going to put them in the pulpit until they've got their life right. Those are the requirements. Let God do the work in them. Stand with me. I'm out of time. God bless you tonight. I want my inward, I want my inward man to be reflected in the outward man. But I don't ever want to let the outward man be, as long as everybody thinks everything is all right with me, it doesn't matter what's going on in my heart. We've got it all backwards. Because I know many people that look the part, but their spirit and their attitude is so far off. Let God work from the inside out. Get the heart right. Everything else is going to begin to line up. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and just thank the Lord for his word tonight. God, thank you. Thank you for saving faith. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for working with us in this time.